edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who's the newest member of the Edge fan club, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? I am uh, I am doing phenomenal today um, on this Monday, um, the Monday after... Uh, Baseball season has effectively ended for the Seattle Mariners and their fans, um, but I'm doing very well. Very excited weekend over the overall of other sports. So, um, yes, I'm doing well. How are you tonight? I, you know what, I'm doing well. We, we got to talk about your weekend for a second because you, yeah, traveled to Cheney to watch our alma mater, the Idaho Vandals, win against the Eastern Washington Eagles. But at what cost was it going over there? Cause you missed another important event that was happening, you know, half an hour from your house. Missed, yeah, a couple, missed, missed a couple events. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big weekend for sports in Seattle this weekend and I wasn't there, but, um, yes, wrestle dream that could have gone to that. That would have been awesome. And then obviously, um, you know, the Mariners played, you know, you could say maybe, maybe an important series against the, uh, against the Rangers, but, um, uh, my weekend was good. The Vandals won. Uh, gave us a little bit of a heart attack there, but um, ended up winning. It did come at the cost of like not being able to watch the Saturday game um, kind of live, which um, probably was maybe for the best, actually, in some ways. Um, but uh, yeah, other than, so for me, it was a, it was a fine weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, we you and I are going to have a whole lot of couple months to talk about the disappointment that was the end of the season here. And um yeah, so, you know, outside of baseball, everything is good. You know, at the end of this episode, um, you know, we're certainly going to talk about going forward, uh, what our plans are for the off season. This is our first full off season of doing this podcast, and we want to keep it fresh for y'all. Um, we uh, started, when did we start last year? We started about December. Um... We started right after the playoffs, like November-ish, didn't we? I thought we I thought we recorded an October episode. I could be wrong, but maybe maybe it might be November. Um, but I can't remember. But yeah, we're coming up on you know one year of doing this, so um, yeah, all exciting. Yep. 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 One year of doing this. This is episode number seventy-four, and uh, so you know we're gonna we're gonna cut back on the number of episodes. We might have a couple a uh, couple I hiatuses here during the off season. You know, just as news really uh really doesn't come quickly during the off season you know you got some major events you got the the um owners meetings you got the hot stove burning you know when free agency opens up uh you know we'll have episodes when the mariners are signing your key players re-signing players we're also gonna have some fun episodes in there um but we'll talk talk about that towards the end of the episode and before we get into everything else you know i just want to thank our listeners for coming back and listening to us um, this whole season, um, it's not how I, I'll be the first to admit. It's not how I wanted the season to end. Um, I wanted to still be doing two episodes a week as we, uh, get into the postseason. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't something that was in the cards, which, which sucks. But, um, you know, regardless of that, thank you. Um, if you're a returning listener, if it's your first time this episode, if you caught some here or there, thank you for just, um, you know, listening to us and, and, and giving us a little bit of a platform to 
you know, have a few Mariners fans that have been Mariners fans for a long time to uh, shoot the breeze about this team. You know, um, all our, all, not all our episodes were great. I will admit, uh, Bo and I through this whole season, there was several times where he would be sick or I would be sick or, uh, I'd not have a lot of sleep or he certainly wouldn't have a lot of sleep because he's dealing with a, uh, a toddler. But, um, you know, we came out this season, tried to give us, give you guys the best Mariners baseball talk we could. And, uh, we got to keep it going. It's, it's going to be fun. You know, I can't wait for year two. Can't wait for year three, year four, you know, hopefully Bo and I can, uh, you know, keep making this, uh, this hobby of ours, you know, kind of a, kind of also a dream of ours, you know, kind of make it a little bit bigger. So, um, if you haven't already, um, I, I know our social media pages haven't been as active as normal. Um, but you can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram and find us on threads. Just search forks down podcast. I promise you this next season, we will, we will have a lot more coverage. Um, we will not just be doing the podcast, but I think Bo and I will both be in a situation um, where we could live tweet a little bit more, um, try to start discussions. But, um, you know, this is all, um, it's a big task for both of us. We, uh, this is our first podcast. Well, not necessarily the first media piece that I've done. I have a background as a, a journalist. I've done some radio. I've done some things like this um, before. Um, but this is a big task for, for two guys that are just starting out doing it off of a couple of microphones in our computers. So, um, we're going to get better. We're going to, we're going to make it bigger and better as we get into next season, stick with us. And we're going to have a lot of fun, fun episodes this off season. So, Bo, I just talked your ear off and talked the listeners ears off. So why don't you start us on our Mariners notes? Because, uh, we, we do have something big. Um, I, I, I kind of wonder if you have some of his uh, statements brought up, but it's got to deal with, with my big, my favorite player on the team, big dumper Cal Raleigh. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense for kind of us to start here. Um, and, um, it's just the, it's just the thing that I think Mariner fans are going to be attaching themselves to as we go, obviously go into the off season and then, um, you know, um, as we advance and see how the off season unfolds. But, um, yeah, we're going to start with Cal Raleigh's comments that um, he made that um, I think as J.B. Crawford said, they're coming off as somewhat controversial, which I don't know if they really are. Or I, I, I don't know how you interpreted them right. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Cal Raleigh kind of speaking out um, or making a, um, you know, as they say here, a relatively strong statement after the end of the season. Um, <clears throat> and we can kind of I can try to find the exact quote here, but um, something up, right. I think he's saying, you know, something's got to change, right. Um, you know, comparing themselves to the Texas Rangers and saying, look at the Texas Rangers over there. They went out and effectively saying that they wouldn't spent, they were able to build a baseball team, you know, and we can, I think we interpret that as, you know, they're already ahead of us, right. We built the team this way and, um, you know, something's got to change because enough, we're not seeing the same results. Right. So I think in more, you know, on, if we had to summarize it, put it in a different way, it would just be, um, we have to we have to change the way we think about roster construction. We have to change the way we think about how we're going to add to this team. And um, yeah, more or less, I think you know, I think that everybody's interpreting it as we need to spend money. 
And I think that that is, I think that's the way that I'm looking at it as well. Maybe there's mm-hmm. some thought of, yeah, we can go out there and trade and do all that. But I think that that is the, the juxta of it. Do you, uh, did you see it the same way? I, I, I saw it the same way too. And <clears throat> coming as a former, former media member, <laughs> I guess you could put it. Um, they, I mean, athletes know what to expect, especially after a big loss like that. Um, and you're going to get sometimes some heated, you know, you're going to, he probably felt like it was probably a loaded question. He's going to get a little heated about it. You know, that adrenaline of the game and losing that game is not going to be off in that moment, you know, 45 minutes after the game, when you ask him those statements and, um, you know, he did come back out the next day and, and kind of reiterate some of the points he was saying. And, um, you know, I, I, I really, really love what he said kind of towards the end. Um, you know, I'm not going to apologize for wanting to win. I, I feel like that's kind of the, uh, the thing that I, at least the Mariners fans want to hear at this point, because, you know, they didn't have a great September. They had a great August led into a pretty awful September. And I I think this just shows that at least some of the players were doing what everything they could to, to try to still win these ball games. You know, they're not going to, there's always going to be every game. There's going to be one winner and one loser. You know, unfortunately the Mariners came out uh, more often than not in the September side of things, you know, losing and, um, but what, with Cal's statements, you know, he, he very much showed the passion that, you know, they want to be there. They want to, they want to make the postseason. They want to bring a world series. I mean, Cal said it himself, they Seattle deserves a world series title. So I think we need to look at this as probably less controversial, you know, cause I mean, it seems like some of the, the, um, as as people have put it on Facebook, the media scum have uh, blown this out of proportion, and 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 it's got to be a big talking point, and heads are gonna roll. But you know, it's just showing that these Mariners are passionate about the same things that the fans are there to root for them for. They want to see a winning ball club. They want to they want to go deep in the playoffs. They want to make a World Series, and they ultimately want to win it. You know, and I mean, <laughs> in the words of uh, of current wrestler Bobby Fish, you know, where's the lie in anything that he said? Where's the lie? It really, he's, he's shooting from the hip and he's speaking the truth, you know? Yeah. I, I guess I don't really see a lot of what Cal said. I think this is the same. I think this is the same interpretation that a lot of people have, right? Like I just don't think there's enough in Cal's, you know, phrasing or words that he's using there to, um, to really get too upset about. Right. And I, I know that like, I think Scott service, right. For the crowd that's very, you know, anti Scott service, right. Is raking kind of Scott over the coals, right. Saying that, um, you know, I, I kind of thought Scott services re- like response was a pretty boilerplate for the most part against it. Right. I think he said, you know, as a leader, you gotta, I can't remember the, I, we should probably be directly quoting this and I can pull it up here, but, um, you know, like, um, you know, sometimes you're a leader and sometimes the emotions get the best of you. Right. And I feel like this is a little bit of a cut and paste answer that you can kind of expect from 
I think Scott, who is very, very close with the front office and very, very close with ownership, right? Like it's not um, fully anticipated that I think Scott would say, you know, something like that, right? I thought it was pretty, again, cut and paste, kind of what kind of you expect out of Scott's service. Again, I'm not going to take too much of it there. I know that there's going to be some people that are really not going to like it, right? Because they've already thought that they we should move on from Scott. But like, I, uh, I think that Scott probably has to say something in that situation. So I don't know. I'm not too upset about what he said, but um, yeah. How much of that do you think really is the front office telling Cal to apologize and more so maybe ownership? I, I just, well, I, well, you have to, I, I, this is the way I've always felt. Right. And maybe it's a reason why I think there's a point again, Scott is that I think Scott is, you know, an extension very close of the front office. Right. Like I think, you know, Jerry brought Scott along with him. Right. Like they're very close together. Like, I think Scott is more of an extension of the front office than we, than we think about sometimes. Right. So like, I'm not super surprised about what Scott said. And, um, I think we're kind of seeing, I don't, I don't want to hype this too much up. Right. But like, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a, I don't know. I want to say a butting of heads. It's probably got to come to a point this off season. Right. Of just, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of times that, you know, the Mariners method is draft, develop, trade, and our model is this and what have you. And I think it's getting pushed to the forefront now. And um, I think my worry with some of this, right. And like, yes, Scott's answer, I felt like wasn't as strong or what have you there. But my worry with some of it is, is um, I, I am still worried that the front office and team is preparing to kind of go on the media spiel of telling us like, we have spent, right, and there, there is some truth to that. They have spent on their own players on their team, right? They're going to kind of spin some of this as, like, we have spent on this team. Like, I don't know why we don't, you know, why we don't talk about Luis Castillo's extension. I don't know why we talk about JP's, JP's extension. I don't know why we talk about Julio's extension. So, like, some of that is upcoming, right? But at the end of the day, Cal is 100% right. JP Crawford agrees with him. Logan Gilbert agrees with him. Ty France, I, mean, I can't remember who the other players that agreed with him, right? something has to change. Something is going to need to change in order for the team to get to the point they want to. And Cal's, you know, tell me what I'm telling lies, right? Like Cal is Cal's a hundred percent spot on there. And I would think that even Scott service and Jerry Depoto would agree with him there. Something's got to change. Something's got to, you know, be different with this team going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, what got us to this point is we've done a very good job of developing our, our talent. You know, we've got two excellent young pitchers in George Kirby and uh, Logan Gilbert. You know, you could say some of our bullpen has been developed in house. You know, we did get Munoz in a trade, but you know, he wasn't immediately up. And then Matt Brash, big piece. He, he led the whole MLB in appearances this year. You know, I think 70, I think it was 78 or 79. So, I mean, he's going to be a big piece going forward. And then, of course, you know, Julio. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say JP, but I fe- think he's finally flourishing under, you know, what he he came out to do as a Mariner. Um, so it's just, you know, it, it got us to this point where we are contending more or less for an AL West title. That's what we did this season. We contended for it, but now we need to take that next step. You know, good teams know, all right, we've got the team, the, the, the 
bulk of the team in place. We need to go get that one or two hitters and that one or two pitchers that are really going to take us over the top and get us through the World Series. You know, we, we've seen it a lot. There's not a lot of teams recently, unfortunately, that have solely that have won the World Series and have solely developed in-house. Uh, the last I can think of, honestly, was probably, what was it, the Nats in 17. You know, a lot of their their players were developed in-house um, outside of, you know, Scherzer, maybe. But um, Mariners got to take that next step, and that next step is going to require them to spend money. And I, I see where fans are getting mad because um, historically, you know, it hasn't happened in this franchise. You know, they've really... We, <laughs> I, I, I wonder if a lot of the fans are more so thinking that they are closer to a teardown than a, than a, you know, another playoff appearance. I don't know. Yeah. And <clears throat> look, I am, I'm with the fans that are, you know, upset about where the team has gone and, you know, I, I, you know, how can you not, you know, feel the same way as them? Right. Just, um, you know, we're going to have a whole off season to reflect on a lot of things, but, um, you know, ourselves, you ourselves, you and me, you know, we invested ourselves more in this team than ever before. I think a lot of fans did, um, you know, I'm looking at the baseball reference page right now, and I don't know how finalized the numbers are for the 2023 season, but if baseball reference is to tell me the truth here, this is our most well-attended season since 2004, right? Um, in terms of... We were, we were, I saw the graphic, we are 10th in the league in, in uh, uh, attendance this season. Right. You know, we were, I mean, obviously the bigger teams, the winning teams had you know, the teams that are still in the playoffs were ahead of us, but I mean, that's a big number for, you know, quotations, small market Seattle. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, you know, it looks like it was, it was 2.9 million in 2004 and it looks like it's going to be in right around 2.7 million this year. Right. Um, and then that's not even including, you know, um, everything they got from the all-star game and everything that they got from the home run derby and entirely all that stuff too. Right. So it was a, it was a very well attended, you know, year at T-Mobile park, more players, more fans, more people were just invested in the team more than usual. And they're going to be invested in what happens in this off season more than usual. Right. This is a incredibly critical off season and um, it's off to an interesting start, right. With what Cal, what Cal Raleigh has said and, I don't know how Jerry and team are going to respond. I would love to hear Jerry and team's response to some of this at some point. And, um, but I don't know if we'll get that, but you know, anyways, we'll, uh, yeah, there are lots to dive into there. Cal Raleigh didn't tell any lies. Um, and, um, at the end of the day, something's going to have to turn over in the roster. I don't know what it is yet. Um, but, uh, we'll have a whole off season to talk about it. Yeah. And we will be there. Every step of the way, we really will. Um, you you hit it on the head. We, us ourselves, me and you, invested in this team more than we ever had before. Uh, I am pretty sure I watched at least 160 of the 162 games. I think I can count on one hand how many games I missed, truly just missed, 
because I was out and about or I had to work or, you know, I was pretty good at listening to the radio broadcast when I was at work. But um, <laughs> this was one of the biggest seasons ever, you know, and it, it that's what pains me with us not making it to the postseason, you know, uh, it just it sucks. I I know a few weeks ago we talked about, you know, how we can kind of detach ourselves when we need to emotionally from this team but um i know i can't say the same thing for this last weekend it hurt saturday's game hurt it just i had trouble sleeping i'll be honest with you i don't normally do that again i usually am a five minutes and i go okay that sucks but moving on now but this one it was just kind of like i sat there for 20 minutes just stunned just like this is how we go out guys you know, I ended up I ended up turning on the Astros game right after the Mariners ended, hoping hoping for that little glimmer of hope. You know, Arizona winning Saturday's ball game against Houston, and they didn't. I don't know. This hurt. This hurt. I'll be honest with you, Bo. This hurt worse than probably the Seahawks Super Bowl loss against the Patriots. Oh my! Wow. I like. I was just, I don't know. Wow. I, at I, least, at least the, at least the Super Bowl appearance that we lost against the Patriots, it was one dumb play, you know? And like, you got to the Super Bowl, right? Like you, and you won it previously exactly. and you know, you were. It, exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. But this one just like, I don't know. Almost. Do you feel like you, you gave yourself too high expectations this season? Oh, I think we absolutely set too high of expectations this season. I mean, we're going to, um, we can talk about everything we're going to talk about in the off season. Right. But, um, you know, I'm going to dissect a little bit of the projections going into this year, right? Like I'm going to dissect a little bit of, um, you know, we're going to go back to our power rankings, right? We're going to take a look at those and like, you know, how much we invested ourselves in those and how much we thought, you know, where the mayors were ranking. I think it's going to be useful to go back to obviously, like I said, the projection systems, the baseball prospectus to fan graphs, to all these other ones to see where they thought. And I think even, you know, we kind of thought at the beginning of the year, like a lot of Mariner fans did like, Oh, the projections are down on us. So we're, you know, we're, we're much better team than this. And the projection systems actually ended up being more correct probably on the Mariners than, um, <clears throat> that we would hope that they were. But uh, yeah, I think we certainly thought with, um, and, uh, you know, we certainly thought that, you know, Julio was going to probably take another step forward and you can probably say that he did, but, um, at the, he, he eventually did, you can probably say that, but, um, uh, you know, one of the big things we're going to talk about is April, May, June was, was really, really rough baseball. And, um, you know, we invested ourselves in it and we saw that bad baseball and we kind of still thought maybe there was a chance and they ended up doing it, but then at the end of the day, they were still the same team that they were in April, May, and June. And, um, it's just, uh, it's just tough because we absolutely thought that, you know, if we saw the, some of the same things that we're going to stay in the same, right. Ty France being good, Eugenio Suarez being the exact same player that he was like, we could see ourselves making it, making a run, you know, in the AL West and, you know, in the playoffs and a lot of those things didn't stay the same. And I think that's ultimately what kind of got us in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah, I think one of the things, absolutely, right, we set ourselves up for expectations. We overpromised and underdelivered. I think that's the thing, right? And, um, but I, I'll just say this, right? 
um, you know, at some point I feel like Jerry needs to get a question about, um, you know, we said that, you know, Jerry said that we were, had that world series contending roster, right. I think on the off season somewhere that there's somewhere there's a quote out there in the ether that says that, and you know, how could you not have high expectations when those are thrown on you? Right. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of people, ourselves included overhyped this team. Um, and we're going to have a whole off season to dive into the numbers about maybe why we shouldn't have been hyped and what's coming forward for us. But, um, yeah, I know I, I know I hyped it up. Do you feel like you, uh, you expected more out of the team just because maybe we made it last year and we thought we were going to get this far again this year? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you make one playoffs, you, you feel like it should be inevitable every season. Uh, unfortunately we root for a team like the Mariners and not the Dodgers or the Yankees or heaven forbid the Astros. But, um, yeah, it just, um, and it, <laughs> it, the expectations were high, even, you know, in most of September, because no one really ran away with the division. Like that's like, this is the closest we've been to a division title in 20 odd years. You know, we were just contending for a world uh, wild card, you know, birth. We were contending for that division and that's not going to happen too often. I mean, well, actually, maybe with these new schedules. I mean, we didn't... I think we saw a lot less wins this season, just as a whole, in the MLB. I mean, someone's got to win and lose every game, but, like, there wasn't as many 100-win teams as I feel like there is every season around the MLB. I mean, for God's sakes, the AL Central got one with, what was it, 84 wins Twins had? They went 84 and 78? Sound about right. Uh, the twins went, the twins went eighty-seven and seventy-five. But I mean, like the Diamond, the well, Diamondbacks ended up with an eighty-four and seventy-eight record and still made the playoffs, no, right? So, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> with these new balanced schedules, I mean, I, I feel like the getting to ninety wins is going to be a struggle every season. But I mean, this is the closest they've been to winning a division title, you know. And it, <laughs> ninety wins won the division. Normally, it's a hundred wins is winning the division. So, I don't know. It just it sucks, and we've got a whole off season just to dissect every little nook and cranny of this team. Yes, sir. Well, um, should we should we do our last uh, last review of of the year here? Should we dive in as we uh, okay. you know, recap this, or where else do you want to go anywhere else before we do that? No, I. Uh, Games 159, 160, 161, and 162 was this last series. We've reviewed, Bo, 162 games this season. Actually, even more. We did some in the pre the preseason. You know, we weren't doing what we do for every episode, but we were here and there telling you, oh, so, you know, Cal Raleigh hit a home run in the preseason. And oh, Robbie, Robbie like Ray's that. throwing faster. I'm sure that'll end up well. Yeah, yeah. yeah we well. saw what happened there. What? How many how many innings into his first start? Yeah, I don't remember. Two, three, yeah, something like that. Can't remember. Can't remember. All right, Bo. Let's let's dive into this last series of the season. As a whole, I'm just gonna say it right now, outside of the Saturday ball game, this was a pretty good series for the Mariners. Lots of clutch hits, a lot of big wins. They just couldn't win when it mattered. So. 
3-2 victory in Thursday's ball game. Uh, Andres Munoz picked up the win, his fourth win of the season. Loss came from Aroldis Chapman. Um, this was one of the most exciting games of the season. The Mariners knew that the uh, that the season was lost with a, a loss. And uh, your shortstop, Bo, everyone's shortstop, J.P. Crawford came up with a uh, the biggest hit I think of the season to keep their their hopes alive. Um, two outs, lines it down the left field uh, line, hits it over Evan Carter, um, gets two RBIs, and ball game is won, and the Mariners live to see another day. But uh, I was so happy for J.P. Man, I mean i've I've been. I've been so happy to see his progress this season and, and we're going to touch on something that got tweeted out in a little bit, but um, the sky's the limit for JP at this point. He just, he's, he, he honestly should have the C. They should put a C on his, on his Jersey. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's the, I am when we go, when we, when we do, yeah, we'll do our own, you know, you know, who are our MVPs, who are our, you know, unsung heroes, what have you, a little bit like what we did last year, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, my very strong candidate for the best, um, probably best offensive player right now is certainly 100% J.P. Crawford, right? Um, and the strides that he's made, um, <clears throat> you know, he increased his home run total. I think he is his, his closest home run total previously this week was nine, and he hit, ended up hitting 19 this, um, you know, this year, including, I think, one in the series. And um, the advancement that's he made is like, I, I just remember last year, right? J.P. Crawford being so in, inconsistent, right? He was the guy that batted, what you know, in every single position, one through nine in the order. And I'm pretty sure we'd have to go back to our opening day roster. I'm pretty sure he started ninth to start the opening day, I think, this year, right? Yep. And yep. Um, the fact that he's advanced to the point that he has is um kind of astonishing right like the you know the the phillies traded him away the phillies were kind of done with him and wash with him and has taken him probably a little couple you know a couple of years to kind of get to this point in seattle but um he's made himself a mainstay he's our leadoff hitter now right and um you can just look at his war totals right and he's going to be worth five wins this year um you know what? which is his his career high by a a very big margin. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, some of the defensive and some, some of the things that are really dragging or dragging him down, you know, previously was his offensive numbers, right? His defensive numbers got pretty good, you know, reviews on the kind of the, the war side of things. And, um, that kind of flipped. Right. So like his, you know, is really, his offense is really driving that now. And, um, yeah, I was just, uh, the way this game was going, I felt like, I felt like even though, you know, Chapman was having some some problems in the ninth, I was still just worried because I just feel like that's the way Mary baseball has been going. Um, but, uh, you know, the the fact that I felt like we had a very good chance of JP up at the plate there at the end, um, still had a good chance, even though, you know, I, I like I said, I've been pessimistic about base, Mariner baseball lately. But the fact that he was able to come through such a big spot. Um, yeah, it, it made you feel good. It made you feel really good to see JP get that double. Yeah, and I had to I had to reverse jinx that noble tiger. Another noble tiger situation. Mariners loaded the bases up in the ninth inning, no outs, and the first two hitters 
after that. Uh, weak pop-ups. It was Mike Ford and Josh Rojas. So um, I, I know it was mentioned a couple times during the series. And, um, you know, there were some big games, obviously. But uh, Suarez was in a couple times in some big situations. And the announcers kept alluding to Scott saying previous that, like, in a in a big situation, Gino was the player that he would want up in that situation. And I'm not going to knock Gino at all. Gino had some big clutch hits. Um, you know, over the summer, he had a stretch where he had, what was it, the 10 games in a row with an RBI, um, which is a Mariners record. And so not going to knock Gino for that. But, like, I think this season, if we're talking big clutch situations, I'd want JP up in it. I, I really would. He'd be my, he'd be my choice this season over Julio, and Julio statistically was our best player. So, yeah, um, August Julio. If I maybe August Julio, but again, breaking ourselves down to smaller, smaller pieces there. But yeah, yeah. yeah. JP finished the game two for five, two RBIs. Uh, you know, speaking of Julio, he went one for four. Had a home run, his 32nd home run of the season, the fourth inning off of Jordan Montgomery. Um, Mariners did a good job of um, um, making sure that Montgomery got out in the sixth. You know, Montgomery kind of looked, at least starting out, uh, like he could go seven or eight. But the Mariners uh, were able to get him out in the sixth and hand it over to the bullpen, where the bullpen blew it. Um, you know, other... other uh, other things here offensively, Gino one for four, uh, Cal Raleigh two for four, uh, but, but, uh, Dylan Moore had a hit, Caballero had a hit. They only had eight hits on the night, but uh, it was enough to get the Mariners a win. They did go one for nine with runners in scoring position. Obviously, that one hit coming in the ninth inning off JP's bat. Eight players left on base, and that honestly was the offense. Um, you know, a, a Big reason that the Mariners were able to win this game is because uh, the Mariners had very good um, success from the pitching side. The Mariners held the Rangers, you know, to two runs on three hits. Um, <laughs> the Texas Rangers didn't even have a um, team runners in scoring position. They didn't have anyone in scoring position all night. They only left two players on base. So, um, you know, you got to give credit. Obviously, JP is going to be the the big dog here, you know, having the clutch base hit in the ninth. But you got to give credit to Logan Gilbert, who went six strong, three hits, two runs, um, all earned. Both of those runs came off of solo home runs, uh, one by Leotis Tavares, the other from Adolis Garcia. Um, didn't walk anyone, struck out five, and then the bullpen came up uh, very clutch. Um, Isaiah Campbell went one inning, uh, only had one base on ball. And had a strikeout. Gabe Spire pitched one and two thirds, had three strikeouts, and then Munoz uh, came in in the top of the ninth with two outs and got um, got the out in a third of an inning. Uh, but pitching wise, I mean, as big as JP's hit was, we've got to get a lot of credit to the uh, Mariners' pitching staff as as a whole in this game. Yeah, can I can I request that we change a rule that um, you know, like the last pitcher before the team takes the lead gets the win because 
Like I love I love Anders Menunos. He's been up and down this year, but Gabe Spire deserved the deserved the win in this one, right? Like um you know, coming pitching pitching through five hitters and I think he felt he struck out the last three um that he faced, right? Like him himself had seven whiffs in this game just for the short time that he was there. And uh the slider was really, really working for him in this one. And um yeah, Gabe Spire looks like, you know, we we've talked, you know, mostly about Brash, Topa, and you know, Munoz being our top kind of three big guns, but um, you know, I'm kind of comfortable at a point of talking about Gabe Spire being, you know, one of our very consistent bullpen guys. So um very happy to kind of see him in this game. Thought Isaiah Camel pitched was well good as well. Um, but uh yeah, very solid pitching performance. This is kind of what you you know what you expect out of the Mariners and sometimes, right? Of just like a very close, you know one run game when your bullpen your bullpen and your pitching staff dominates, that kind of is very typical of Mariner baseball. So, um, very good classic win in this one. So, um, overall, this one was a, this was a feel good win. That's what the best way I could put it. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, you shout out Gabe Spire and, and <laughs> we had so many questions going into the, the regular season this season about who, you know, my biggest thing was we need a lefty out of the pen. And I, I honestly think that we got two good lefties, you know. Um, I think Spire obviously should be our go-to lefty, but I don't think Saucedo had a bad season at all. Um, kind of a feel-good story for Saucedo, um, being the local kid coming in and, and getting to play for his, his hometown Mariners. Um, so I, I honestly am going to be rooting for both of those guys next season. Um, and I, I want to give a quick shout-out to Isaiah Campbell because – um, I felt, especially towards the end of the season, Scott put him in some very high pressure situations and we didn't know, you know, when he first came up, we almost thought he should go back down just because he, there was a lot of moments where he was kind of touch and go where his lows were really low. But I think at least September wise, Isaiah Campbell showed me enough to be on this team going forward. Um, and you know, if you, you take into account everything we've just said, we've almost got a full bullpen, you know, if, if I'm a betting man, Munoz, Topa and Brash along with Spire. And I think Isaiah Campbell are shoe-ins next season for our bullpen, you know, Saucedo, I hope I will root for him. I hope he makes it. And I hope, you know, we can find a couple other additions. Um, I don't know if Trent Thornton was kind of the right call, but they did have one of the best bullpens of the MLB. So, I mean, they're obviously doing something right. You, you add a piece here and there, and you go from being the third best bullpen to the first best bullpen in the MLB. Yes, sir. No, um, very happy. I thought really the bullpen for, for most of the series – you know, on top of this, all looked very positive and yeah, means good things going forward. Let's move on to Friday's game. Friday's game, you know, if if, if Thursday's game was the feel good game of this series, I think Friday's game was the, you know, we could we could finally breathe a little bit. Uh, Mariners did it again, um, holding the Texas Rangers to three hits, but no home runs were given up, and Mariners won eight nothing. Um. Mariners offensively were a little, uh, uh, I would say lucky 
they only had six hits um, and three walks, so not a lot of base runners. And they were only two for four with score in scoring position with two left on. But uh, when players got on, that means they got them around and, and were able to score a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, as much as, you know, six hits and, and three blocks aren't really impressive, they were able to get Uvalde out after three and a third inning. So um, hats off to the offense. JP obviously having a big night, having a granny, grand slam, grand grand salami, you know, as, as Dave Niehaus would put it. One for three with four RBIs. Uh, Gino had a hit. Teo had a hit. France had a hit. And then... Uh, Josh Rojas went two for three at the bottom of the lineup. And uh, again, I don't want to dive too much into the certain players here um, because we've got a whole offseason. We're going to break this down. But um, I think we might have found our starting second baseman for next season in Josh Rojas. I really, I really feel like we need to give him a fair shake and maybe even start him outside of, you know, lefty on righty matchups. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be very open to. I'm gonna be very open to a lot this this off season, right? So like, um, gonna be difficult to pencil in exactly like one person, but um, yeah, I think he's come on pretty well at the end of the year, and haven't quite looked at all of his splits yet, but um, there's certainly a chance there, and there's gonna be some. I think there's it's gonna be some competition with probably Ryan Bliss next year, and then. Obviously, Jose Caballero and Dylan Moore are still going to be on the team, but um, you know, someone that has kind of locked into a position, Josh Rojas looks like the guy right now. So, um, again, I think there's always going to be an opportunity to maybe upgrade there. But um, yeah, right now it's looking pretty good, and um, you know, he had a good series, good one here. Um, I also thought you know the hit that Ty did get was uh, was a home run. So. Ty France is also somebody that we're going to talk ad nauseum probably this offseason about, but he looked pretty decent, I thought, in this series compared to um, times past. So um, some of the guys in the bottom of the order, you know, coming through, like you said, um, you couple of that with the JP granny, and it was just, uh, yeah, uh, I don't quite know what to describe this one. If the other one was feel good, this one just felt like, um, yeah, the offense was locked in and Eovaldi just wasn't pitching as well. Um, but uh I would say I think the Mariners, the, the pitching side of things, which I think we're going to dive into next, did get a little bit of lucky in this one. But, um, you know, for the most part, very happy that the offense was able to kind of put on this show, you know, this late in the this late in the season. They they did get extremely lucky. I mean, they only gave up three hits, but they walked eight people. Um, I know you put in the notes here that uh, you felt like Brian Wu pitched his guts out, but Brian Wu only pitched three and two thirds innings. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess three. I I guess I meant that like it kind of looks it just it just looks like Brian was done right like it just looks like the kid has thrown you know more innings than he ever anticipated and that kind of felt like it came out to me in this game just like I just got to get to a certain point of this game and then I'm just done right like that's the way it kind of looked out so just like you know pitching pitching his guts out because he just was finished finished that's the way I look at it so there you go yeah uh, yeah but he didn't give up any runs he he battled through and. Uh, <laughs> we're able to uh, keep the uh, Rangers offense at bay. Rangers were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, left on base 12. And so uh, they had a lot of opportunities in the Mariners. You're right, they got a little lucky. Uh, I think pitcher of the night, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned Trent Thornton not 
maybe not being the answer, but I think he probably gets pitcher of the night. He picked up the win. Uh, one and two-thirds innings, had a strikeout. His his ERA was 2.08. I think he didn't pitch in the rest of the series, or maybe he did, but um, that's a pretty good ERA for the for at least game 160. Um, Campbell came in, pitched an inning, had a walk and two strikeouts. His ERA dropped under three. Mazzardo came in for an inning, had two walks. Struck out three, though. Um, he ended up getting optioned on Sunday. Uh, it's to bring up. Perlander Baroa, who we will talk about from Sunday's game. And then uh, old Dominic Leone closing out the ball game for the Mariners. Uh, one inning, walked two, didn't strike anyone out, but um, picked up the victory, didn't allow anyone across. And um, I'm pretty sure the Mariners, you can, you can fact check this, Bo, and, and maybe quote me on this, maybe don't quote me on this, but... I think the Mariners had a league-leading 18 shutouts this season, including the last game of the season and the first game of the season. So, again, by there, there's still some things that the Mariners, and we're going to talk about it probably ad nauseum, and you guys are going to get tired of hearing it throughout the, the course of this offseason for this podcast, but um, a little thing here and there with the pitching staff, you know, piece here, piece there we could be looking at the best pitching staff in baseball next season. Yeah, there's potential for it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Marco and Robbie Ray are set to return at some point. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a number of bullpen guys. Penn Murphy was a kind of our, um, you know, fireman last year, you know, probably going to return at some point. Um, yeah, there's still a lot to like there. And, you know, we saw George Kirby's performance on Sunday, which we'll talk about, but um, it's trending in the right way right now. Um, let's just, uh, but uh, let's just see where chips are going to fall in the off season in terms of that pitching staff and as good as it is. And hopefully it'll be still together unless we have a hard time maybe acquiring guys other by other means, but lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. How many times are we going to say that? Lots to talk about in the off season in this episode, but yes. I, yeah, don't, don't say it, Bo. I don't want to manifest it. Although I know it's for the better of the team. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon guys. Not this episode, but soon. So let's move on to Saturday's game. I don't want to uh, stay on this game for too long. So Mariners lost six to one. Um, they ripped, I got my heart ripped out on Saturday. Uh, Luis Castillo just didn't have it. Only went two and two thirds innings. Uh, gave up five hits, four runs, walked five, uh, struck out four. Really, really bad end for Lapidra. Um, definitely the game you didn't want to have this kind of pitching performance from. Um, as a whole, though, I still think he was probably the best starter of the team, but. We'll go into that later. Um, you know, after he got taken out, Matt Brash gave up uh, a run, I think, right after Luis Castillo came out. And the only other run was given up by Andres Munoz in the eighth. Other than that, pitching-wise, you know, we got a, a pretty fine performance from our bullpen. Um, and offensively, JP, again, having a big series, went two for four. Gino picked up a hit. Um, Kelnick. Ty France, Josh Rojas, and, all, and Sam Haggerty all picked up a hit. Went one for four with runners in scoring position. Seven left on. 
And um, if you haven't noticed, uh, maybe you've noticed, Bo, I haven't talked a lot about Julio this series. Um, Whereas this was probably JP's season-defining series. Um, You know, highs-wise, I think this was probably the season low for Julio. I mean, he did pick up his 32nd home run in Thursday's game. Um, But... Some of the balls he was swinging at this uh, series were just terrible decisions. They he went back to the the Julio of April and May and wanted to play hero ball. I get it. There's a lot on the line, but um, we didn't see the Julio this series that got him to second in the AO and hits um, potential MVP votes for his performance this summer and it was just a uh you know a rough outing in this game and a, a rough series overall for for julio to kind of finish out the series the season on yeah and i think going into the going into the offseason on my to-do list right um two guys in this particular game right julio and luis are guys that i'm gonna probably double click on a little bit more just to kind of I want to say just kind of what happened, right? Um, it uh, Julio's is, um, I think, incredibly interesting, right? Because it just like it, it very much maps with what the team kind of did, right? Like August Julio was one of the best players in baseball. The Mariners were one of the best teams in baseball, and then, um, yeah, come uh, come September, it was just uh, very different, right? Um, and you know, I don't quite know. I know we've, I know that people have talked about, you know, his, um, you know, his breaking ball, you know, how he hits breaking balls, how he hits off speed pitches, how he sweats, how he hits, uh, um, you know, your off speed and your breaking balls and your fastballs. And I think he was doing a little bit of better against fastballs. And it seems like maybe he was getting some more breaking pitches, I think as the season or the end of the season ended up winding down, but Again, we're going to double click into all that um, and just analyze a little bit more. But um, yeah, it was a disappointing end for Julio's season and very much mapped, very much mapped the Mariners way that it was going. Um, and I think on the, on the other side, right, as you mentioned, um, Luis is also a little bit of the same way, right? Luis has struggled, um, I think, in his last couple starts, um, had a couple duds and his way of going throughout the season, I think has mapped the Mariners as well, right? Struggled to kind of the end of the year. I mean, he was pretty good for the most part in the start of the year, save for a couple starts. But um, he's another one that, um, despite maybe what the numbers say, and yes, the numbers are in the paper are going to tell you that Luis has had a pretty good season. You know, I did feel like it was a little bit of a rocky point um, at some points for Luis, and you know, we're going to take a number closer look at his numbers as well. But um, yeah, this is a tough game to. This is a tough game to follow. Like I said, I was. At another sporting event on Saturday, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch it, but I was actively following on the game day, right? And um, uh, yeah, I I was a little nervous. I I think I was saw you know, Link Luis had two walks in the second. I think that kind of made me nervous. And then, um, yeah, then the third happened, and I checked my phone, and it was, um, yeah, I think that was I think that was the point that I just kind of turned it off and hope I would turn back on in a couple innings and just hope things would be better, and um, they weren't. So. Um, I don't think I, you know, um, got the full um, experience of seeing the Mariners season go down the drain because I wasn't really watching it live. But um, nonetheless, um, it was uh, it was sad to feel that way. 
like I said, right. We've been invested the whole entire season and it just, uh, came to an end very quickly. It seemed like, and, um, too way, way too early. And, um, it all kind of manifested itself in that third inning. I think of Mariner baseball there. Yeah. I saw a statistic on Twitter. I'm not going to call it X because I hate that name. Um, saw a statistic on Twitter that, um, was very not surprising if you're a Mariners fan, but the Mariners have been eliminated four times since I think it was 2016 in game 161 and 162. There's not any other team in major league baseball that's been eliminated more than once in game 161 to 162 in the last, what is that? Seven, eight years. So I, at least the Mariners are doing something unprecedented at this point, but um, I know in past years, Bo, um, you know, when the Mariners is, in 161 or 162, I've been at the stadium when that happens. I vividly rem- remember, I think it was 16, where the final the the final game came down to we needed to win to get in, and the Oakland Athletics had to lose. But Oakland played an hour or two before us, and we found out in the fifth inning that Oakland had won. So um, at least MLB is doing it right by scheduling all games at the same time in 162, but uh, it hurts. The thought I had with Julio um, while you were talking, Bo, um, and it's something, you know, we'll probably talk about a little bit later on, but I want to get your thoughts on it right now. Um, I think Julio played more baseball than he's ever played in a season this season. Um, you know, 162, uh, he played He played a lot of ball games in the regular season. But, uh, you know, one, one factor that we're kind of forgetting here is we had the World Baseball Classic before the season started. And um, that was meanif- meaningful baseball for people. Um, that, I mean, I remember <laughs> Mexico versus USA. That was, a, that was a fun game that meant something for everyone on that field. So, um, do you, I guess my question to you, Bo, is do you think the World Baseball Classic had a little bit of an effect um, on Julio towards the end of the season? Because, like you said, August, he was lighting it up, and we had a down September. You think by August, maybe he was a little burnt out? Maybe a little bit? Um, No. If I if the Dominic, if the Dominican Republic did better during the World Baseball Classic and made a you know a longer turn like they did, I would probably hope maybe maybe I would give that a little bit more. But um, I I don't know. I, I I think the I honestly feel like the WBC probably gets you know tossed out there for more issues than anything else. People are kind of searching for um, I don't want to say excuses on things, but maybe there's some factor to it. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to discount it fully, but um, again, if the Dominican Republic made it further than the WBC, I could probably make that, you know, I could probably see more in that, but. Um, but it wasn't just like the games they played, Bo, though. Well, imagine, you know, he's gone from the team for a while during preseason. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe that had a little bit of effect on how he prepped for the season. Potentially, potentially. Yeah. I'm trying to see who else was on, who else was on the WBC roster though? Who else was on there? Like, um, uh, Luis wasn't he? No, um, Luis didn't play. Teo was. 
Teo was on there. Um, Juan Soto was on there. Um, May Machado was on there. So like, I guess if you could make a case, if you can prove to me that maybe like this also affected some other guys, maybe, but like I, and I get it, right. Who, I, Xander Bogarts. Um, and so was Wander Franco on the team. So, um, Oh. Uh, um, did didn't he get like fourteen hits or something in the World Baseball I, Classic? I don't remember, but um, I don't know. That was that was a joke. That was a joke. Oh, that me. was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just hit me. It just hit me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh god. Um, anyway, so like Julio's also 22 years old, right? It's not like Julio's. Um, it's not like Julio's. You know, Eugenio Suarez, Venezuela made a pretty deep run in the world baseball class, if I remember correctly, and Johanna Suarez played 162 games this year, right? Like I, I, it's difficult for me to say that it's difficult for me to say a kid that was 22 years old, got burnt out, even though I, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, there might be some truth to it. I don't, I don't know how I would prove that, but um, I feel like I have enough guys that could prove the opposite that I'm just not as connected into that. So sorry. Well, I said Xander, Xander Bogarts was, was one that, played in the world baseball classic and didn't have a great season by his standards at least yeah yeah you're probably right yeah but like rafael devers also played right how was how was rafael devers season not terribly good let's let's i think we can get him for cheap this season this off season though i know you like devers i did like devers Devers. i was disappointed yeah devers did have a down season so maybe there's more to maybe there's more to your argument that holds weight than i'm maybe i'm dismissing too much of what you're saying there rick how does that sound Get, get on it, numbers boy. Let's figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Jokes, jokes. Um, we're still talking about this series. Uh, Saturday's game, not great. Sunday's game. Let's let's fire through Sunday's game real quickly. Because Sunday's game, not a lot happened. It was a one nothing victory. Like I said, the Mariners were able to shut out Texas, and Texas ended up with this loss, not winning the division. So. I know we gave the Astros the division title in this game, but I'm kind of happy they went out on a winning note. And really, I that makes me so happy that the Rangers now, you know, oh, we have to travel to Tampa Bay. They literally have to fly from Tampa Bay or from Seattle to Tampa Bay to play Tampa in Tropicana Field. So um, if there's any solace from this season, it's that. But uh, one nothing victory. Not a lot to talk about offensively. Uh, Mariners scrounged up four hits. The winning RBI came off the bat of Dominic Canzone on a what was it, sack fly. I don't even think it was a sack fly. Canzone got the RBI, so I don't remember. But uh, what we talk about here is the pitching performance of George Kirby. George Kirby had a quality start. Six innings, three hits, no walks, seven uh, strikeouts. Ended his season on a high note. He went 13-10. and 10. Um, Like I spoiled earlier, uh, Prantlander Barroa came in afterwards, got his first hold of the season, pitched one inning, struck out two. Barroa looked pretty good. Maybe maybe he's a piece in the bullpen next season. Uh, Trent Thornton did have an appearance. Uh, went one inning, struck out one. He finished his season with an ERA of 2.01, and then Campbell got his first save of the season. Picked up the save, gave up one hit in the ninth, struck out one. Again, future's bright, Bo. Future's bright. And this again, it was fun, fun watching the Mariners uh, take this one, knowing that 
the Rangers are going to have to hop on a plane and go to Tampa. Actually, I think it was uh, I think it was Dave Sims. It was either Sims or um, Aaron Goldschmidt was asking his broadcast partner. He goes, "Do you think they packed for the trip? You think they you think they're ready just to fly from here to Tampa?" <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's like a it's a really bad draw for the Rangers too, right? Like Tampa Bay is, I believe the record is. Yeah, they're 53 and 28 at Tropicana Field this year. So, like, it's a super, super bad draw if you're the Rangers. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of funny to think about if they pack for it or not. But, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, bittersweet is the way that I end, like, the way that I would end this, uh, the way I would describe this Sunday game. It's like George pitched really well um, and, uh, had you know, had one of the better starts of the the last i would say month of the season here and um the bullpen pitched really well like you like you mentioned and um i uh yeah i think the run came off of a dominant can zone ground out um but uh yeah are we sure we have to give the astros the division though like that's my that's my I, I and look i look i, I know that the like the rangers should have had the rangers should have at least you know done the rangers are totally like but, the fact that they can't hit in this game, right? Like, yeah, they probably should have not got it just because of that. But like, I don't know, man. Like, can't we just can't we just throw Mike Ford out there to end the season? I like, I, I mean, I know it's like you, you're trying to. I know you're trying to look good. You're not trying to like play up that way. And obviously, if you're a professional baseball team, you want to look like a professional baseball team. But do we, I mean, it's the Astros, man. I just, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but the Astros played in Arizona. That's not as far of a trip. With the Rangers having to go from Seattle to Tampa, I bet they get knocked out in two games. It's going to be a 2 nothing sweep for the Rays. Knock on wood. You got any wood near you? I'm going to knock on this wood right here. And I knock something off my desk because I did it. But <laughs> I want the Rangers to be knocked out in the wild card series. And as much as it might be home field advantage for the Astros, um, I'm hoping the next series they have to play the Rays and just get completely blown out. Um, I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I thought that whoever won the ALE or AL West was probably going to go to the world series, but, and this isn't me backtracking because I'm a Mariners fan, but uh, honestly, none of the teams from the AL West looked like they should have been in it. Um, Just by, how every team played at the end of the season. <laughs> every team was losing ball games at the end of the season. So, um, I get it, Bo. I get that you're you're annoyed that we handed it to the Astros, but next season the Mariners will be able to take it. Yeah, I know. Well, anyways, and yeah, and the Astros draw get a really good draw against the Twins or the Blue Jays, and I don't know. I'm. That's oh, just sad. Oh, like, yeah, that's who. Yeah, you, that's who. You, you messed uh, that one up. Yeah, that's a. That's a. Yeah, that's a, Oh man, I didn't know my playoff scenarios. Yeah, I know. So. I know. Anyways, but anyways, yeah, bittersweet end of the year. Um, very happy we got to see the knuckleball from George Kirby. Went a little ode to uh Tim to Tim Wakefield, so that was cool in this game. Um, and, do you uh, want me? You want me to rant tonight, Bo? You want me to rant? Um, sure. I think my thoughts are, I mean, again, not much thoughts now that, now that it's all over, but, um, uh, let's see if I had anything else there. Um, my, not, my rant really is good. not Mariners related either. 
So. Uh, okay. Well, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I've done, I think I'm done saying any more comments about Mariner games for the year. So um, yeah, the floor is yours. Kurt Schilling is the biggest piece of crap ever. I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed that the whole Tim Wakefield situation was that serious. Like when he's out and because he has cancer, but obviously he's being told because Doug Mirabelli, the person that told him, wanted to warn him, like, he's passing away. And then he goes on his podcast and says, Oh, oh Tim Wickfield has cancer. Even if he did it with good intentions, there's nothing good about it. I feel sorry for Tim Wakefield. I feel sorry for his wife. I feel sorry for all of Red Sox Nation because now, you know, they've lost a legend and Kurt Schilling is getting talked about when... They should be talking about how good, okay, maybe not as good as he was, but how um, a very solid Wakefield was for, for the Red Sox. There's a whole nether discussion about Kurt Schilling because of him, which I don't feel should be necessary. So, therefore, my rant is, Kurt Schilling, I hope you never make the Hall of Fame because of stupid decisions. All right. Well, um, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree. If you know, if you want to take any solace in it, it's that um, Kurt Schilling is just trying to stay relevant at this point, and um, you know, I, I think that's probably part of part of this, right? Um, we're finally talking about Kurt Schilling after probably a long period of not talking about him. So, um, you know, he's able to do that out of this, which makes it more sad. But. Um, yeah, take it to the fact that we're kind of all forgetting, I think, collectively about Kurt Schilling in some way until he does stuff like this, which I think is a very positive thing because I think Kurt Schilling just needs to needs to go away. We all need to forget about him. So hopefully that's what we continue to do. The the bloody sock game was a hoax. It was a work. We got boomed. There's no blood. We're lying. Or he was lying. Anyways, I'll take the tinfoil hat off now. Um, Bo, I have a, uh, uh, before we get out of here and before we talk about whatever else, I have a trivia question for you. You, you ready for said trivia question? Uh, yeah, my internet's becoming a little choppy, but I think it's going to make it through. What do you, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. What you got? Have, have you heard of the book called The Baseball 100 by, I can't say this guy's last name, by Joe Poznask, Poz Posnanski? Posnanski? Um, Have you ever heard of this book? The name sounds familiar. The book doesn't sound familiar. Okay, the Baseball 100. This guy, Joe Posnanski, or I can't say his last name, so listeners, don't don't butcher, you know, don't flay me alive for butchering his name. But um, Baseball 100 is a book about the top 100 players of all time. Um. I just started it today. I just got it today, started it today. And actually, I haven't dove too um, too far into it. But I, I don't think his ranking is 1 to 100, as in this is the 100th best player and this is the first best player. I think it's just a list of the 100 best players. But he has to numerically go through it and he keeps track by Counting from 100 to 1. Okay? The number 100 player in the book. So the first player that is talked about is a Mariners legend. 
I'm going to let you guess who that player is. The 100 best player of all time. Is that what? Again, I don't think it's the 100 best player, but he was number 100 on the list, and I thought it was cool that he was the first player talked about in the book. 100th best player. Okay. Um, let me think. This book came out what year? Do you remember? Do you know what year it came out? 20... Just a few years ago. He actually, so he, his intro, he talks about um, the, how he, it came about, the book came about. And he did this series basically as a, um, a hundred day series on the athletic. And so I think he already had it all written up. You know, he researched it, had it all written up and then, um, you know, just put it in book form. But, uh, Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, it's 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 a little difficult, but I'll I'll probably go with Edgar Martinez. That is not correct, Bill. The one hundredth baseball player in the book was one Ichiro Suzuki. There you go, future Hall of Famer. Yep. And actually, there was some stuff that I, f- I forgot about when he was talking about Ichiro. There's only two players in the history of Major League Baseball. Excuse me. There's only two times in this the history of Major League Baseball that a player has had 200 singles in a season. The only player to do it was Ichiro. He did it in 2004 and 2007, I think. But, like, it's just crazy to think about that Ichiro's the only one ever to do that. So... Well, it's wild that Ichiro only had, Ichiro has twenty five hundred hits, and he started his major league career when he was twenty seven. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so major league his major league baseball. He career. he makes he he makes the argument that if Ichiro would have started his career in the major leagues, you know, instead of playing so many seasons in Japan, that he would have broke Pete Rose's hit record on the basis of, um. They didn't play as many games over in Japan during the season. So he would have been coming over here and getting 162 every season. So it's not out of the realm. He would have finished with quite a bit more than Pete Rose. So. Yes, sir. If, uh, 2020 uh, or 2025, we got to know if we're going or not. Yeah, we got to get, get a crowd going with us. Get a group going with us. And watch him. Yeah. We we most certainly do. We, we got to. We got to talk about that, Bo. This is why I don't think the list um, is put into like one to a hundred best players because he puts Joe DiMaggio at 56, but he tells you at the start, he's like, it only made sense to put him at 56. <laughs> so, got it. Got it. Um, if, if it was to go with, you know, one to a hundred with one being the best player, his top three were. Number three, Barry Bonds. Number two, Babe Ruth. Number one, Willie Mays. So, got it. Um, but I'm not that far in that book, so I'll I'll get to read his reasoning why he put him there. So, oh, Bo, um, like we kind of teased at the start, what's ahead for us? Um, just want to give listeners a heads up. Uh, we will n- not continue with our Thursday episodes going forward until next season. Our Thursday episodes were a um, season-only thing because 
we felt that fitting a whole week's worth of baseball into one episode would be tough. So we, uh, you know, we get to the season end. If, if we would have made the postseason, certainly we would have continued our Thursday episodes until the postseason ended for the Mariners. But since it is over now, we are done with Thursday episodes. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, we're still going to have a lot of coverage. Um, there's a lot to break down this season. Um, Bo is the resident numbers guy. You know, I kind of, I, I like to say I like to do the eye test where some of my takes probably just go more off of what I'm seeing. Bo brings the stats and the numbers to the ball game here. So, um, we're going to break the whole season down looking at the stats. Um, so we've got breakdowns in both the pitching, the hitting, um, we're obviously going to follow the postseason. you know, the AL West implications, um, the, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some players that could be on next season's team, you know, in the playoffs. So good to break that down. Uh, we'll have a lot on our prospects, you know, we'll have talks about will the Mariners spend and that will be a, uh, that'll be at least a few episodes going forward. Um, Bo, uh, I know we mentioned a little time off in November, because um, I, I think some of our listeners know, but uh, your second child will be born. Do you want to announce on air if it's a, a boy or a girl? Uh, no, I do not want to do that. So ah, uh, I'm giving you I'm giving you multiple on. no's tonight. I'm, I'm 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 giving you not giving you anything you want there. So sorry, Rick. Um, but uh, yes, taking some time off in November. Hopefully, nothing too crazy happens, but. Um, who knows? I think it's going to be a, I think, uh, you know, we're wrapping up here. I think it's going to be a off season of kind of the unpredictable nature. Um, like, like Cal said, things have to change. It's going to be, uh, yeah, I think teams are, I think Jerry and team are going to get creative in some ways. So, um, hopefully nothing happens too big when I'm, when I'm off, but I wouldn't surprise it. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, um, who knows? It'll be a fun off season and, um, yeah, looking forward to reviewing it all. I, I can't wait either. It's going to be, if we thought last off season was going to be a big off season, like this off season is going to be even bigger. It's time to uh, put up or shut up, you know, for the Mariners front office. So it's going to be interesting. Bo, um, I know we had one more thing on the ledger here. I don't think we need to hit it. We can hold that off to another day. So do you have anything else for our listeners before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. Just uh, thank everybody for sticking with us throughout the season. Wish it would have been a different outcome, but um, yeah. Thanks to everybody. And thank you, Rick, for, for making it through. Yep. Hey, we're like the Mariners. We've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows when it comes to this podcast this season. I wouldn't say our lows have been bad. Um, I think we've only had to skip one episode this this baseball season because of um, stuff that we had going on during the season. But um, I think we have a pretty good track record. Like I said, we, we're going to keep improving every day, every time we do this episode. And hopefully, you know, we continue to make it bigger and better because um you know this is only episode number 74 we got a lot of a lot of baseball left in us until we uh inevitably hit that dirt bow i think we'll be uh talking about mariners baseball so 
For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Cork, and we'll see you guys next week.